0: I was doing Wharton business school and getting my MBA and then traveling once a month, two times a month on the weekends to Dakar, as in like I was in Dakar for like, it was like a 72 hour trip. I was out of America by Thursday night, back in America by Monday morning in class by noon on Monday. Um, and I would do this one to two times a month. And I was
1: so committed to Nima Ars. Hi, Offscriptors! It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 183 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. Three years after launching her luxury handbag brand Anima Iris, today's guest has made over a million dollars and her bag has been worn by the likes of Beyonce and Cheryl Lee Ralph. In this episode, Will Glory Tanjon is giving us a behind the scenes look at the strategies that have made her so successful in a short period of time from sourcing leather in Italy to working with Senegalese artisans in her Dakar facility, dealing with copycats, and so much more. During our conversation, she is generously sharing her experience with us. Before we hear the rest of Will Glory's story, just a quick reminder to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help stories like Will Glory's get discovered by other women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script with the CEO of Anima Iris, Will Glory Tanjong. Will Glory Tanjong, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So for anyone who hasn't come across you and your fabulous bags, could you share who you are and what you do?
0: Yes, my name is Will Glory Tanjong. Um, I am a designer. I create luxury handbags coming out of Africa. So I work with incredible artisans in Senegal, West Africa, um, using leathers that we custom create in Italy to build just really beautiful, high quality, fun, colorful handbags. I think what makes the Nima Iris so special is that our bags are vibrant and fun and have all these like different patterns that just really stand out. I think handbags should be fun. So that's that's really like, I think why a lot of people love our bags.
1: So why handbags? What made you get into those?
0: Yeah, the the larger vision for Nima Iris really is for it to be a full luxury lifestyle brand. So okay. I'm starting with handbags, but um, I have interest in expanding into clothing and jewelry and shoes and even home decor. I love home decor, so it's the handbags are just the entry point. Um, mm. But from there, we'll definitely expand into other categories.
1: Okay, but why did you decide to position your brand as a luxury brand as opposed to, you know, the everyday accessible brand?
0: So the, for me... Um, when something is made in Africa, people oftentimes Mm -hmm. do not see it as luxury and therefore do not value it as much, right? And then Mm -hmm. when, um, initially when I started creating these handbags, I saw how much time, attention to detail, Mm -hmm. how intricate it was to make these bags, and they are truly made like by hand. The only time we use machines is to sew it, but even that requires so much precision um, and talent and skill by the artisan. And for me, I've always understood luxury to be things that take time to make, things that are made with intention, um, things that are made with quality. And it just made sense that this is a luxury product and it's not coming out of Europe, but that doesn't make it any lesser than. Historically, Mm. our Good our historically the things that um you know, historically African fashion is inherently luxurious right so if i believe that luxury fashion are things that are made with intention things that take time to make things that are like high quality african fashion is inherently luxurious because africa many parts of africa hasn't have not gone through that like industrialization phase whereby Mm -hmm. now everything is made by machine so a lot of things on the continent are still made by hand Um, i think that exposing that culture to the world is really important to me and it's part of our mission
1: I absolutely love that. And then historically, Africa is mined for raw materials Mm -hmm. as opposed to the finished materials. Exactly. Right. So the fact that yours is a finished product coming out of the continent also says a lot. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned that your bags are, you know, worked on by Senegalese artisans. How did you find them? And how do you manage your operations there? Are you traveling back and forth a lot?
0: I travel back and forth a lot. I do. Um, it's, it's very necessary. I'm Mm. actually very lucky because, um, from my understanding, other, you know, designers who do have like their own, um, production manufacturing on the African continent, aren't able to leave their facility for long before things kind of start going up in flames. Um, Mm. but my artisans I've, I think one of the the facility truly is like one of the things I um, am most proud of, and the way in which we've you know I've trained my artisans to be diligent, to be respectful of the job that they do, Um, and you know also the way in which I honor them and respect them as well, and I get that respect back. So even though I travel there a lot, I go only for a couple of days regarding how i found my artisans it you know so in senegal there is a community of artisans that just kind of like make all different kinds of things the hard thing is not finding artisans to work with the what's difficult is finding good artisans mm. to work with people who mm. are trustworthy people who um say that they can do something and they can actually do it mm-hmm. um, and, and people who take people, pride in their
1: work cuz you also yes. don't, you want quality every Mm -hmm. single time
0: yeah um and so the very first artisan I worked with is not part of my team to today um mm-hmm. I started working with him and I was just like, man, I really think that we could get even better handbags um and I stopped working with him and I was recommended um, to another artisan um who is on my current team now. so they're part of the what I call the core four so. <laughs> Um, when I first started, so the second artist I started working with, he then recommended me to another artisan who then recommended me to another artisan. And honestly, good artisans know other good artisans. All these mm-hmm. artisans like, know each other or know of each other, especially mm-hmm. because being an artisan is actually something that's like passed down from family to family. So you'll find that their fathers and their father's fathers were also artisans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they very much so know of each other and um, yeah, so once I had my core four, that, that was like the base and the blueprint. And there were the four people I initially moved into our own Anima Iris production facility with out of their ateliers into our own production facility in Dakar, Senegal.
1: So you have a whole production facility. Wow. Now, I I did read that you took $5,000 out of your savings in order to then launch Your Anima Iris brand. So I'm curious, how did you allocate that $5,000?
0: Yeah, the $5,000 was really used towards like raw materials Mm. um, and then, you know, raw materials like the leathers and everything you need to make the bag, paying the artisan to make the bag, and then also travel out of Senegal. Mm. Um, And then also working with a designer to create our initial logo and branding. So um which is beautiful by the way. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's this incredible designer, Alyssa. She has this um design company, ATNN, and she, you know, she and I really sat together and thought through what does what kind of company and brand are you, are you trying to make how do you want people to feel when you wear the product how do you you know want people to feel when they even just see the instagram feed right and so that was incredibly helpful so that's that's what the first 5000 went towards
1: okay i also saw that your first kind of shipment was 50 handbags how did you get them from Senegal to the U S and what does, what do your logistics look now for that process now that you've grown as a company? I mean, was it like you're in your suitcase? Like, how did it work?
0: <laughs> this question is so funny. Cause it was in my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really been asked this question. Um, yeah, I was in my suitcase. I mean, I was going back to Senegal mm-hmm. and, um, I put it in my suitcase. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, I, but today nowadays um our um shipment of materials fin- of finished goods is mostly through dhl so mm. we fly everything into america um because you know the bags take a long time to make and from production um to completion to shipping them out you know even shipping it by sea really would just take too long, so mm-hmm. especially
1: what, during the pandemic when there were yeah, logistics yeah. issues. Yep. Mm-hmm. So part
0: of what actually you know makes the bags more expensive is because they're all being flown by air so that they can get to customers a lot faster.
1: Mm. It's quite interesting that you made the distinction earlier about having your bags created in Italy versus, you know, made by artisans in Senegal. What's that distinction about? What are you doing in Italy versus in Senegal?
0: Yeah, so we have always used Italian leathers. Um Italy, leathers from Italy are just quite simply the best in the world. Mm. And the leathers that we were using were leathers that I was sourcing in Senegal, right? Mm-hmm. Um so they were kind of like but they were like smaller quantities. So I was buying it from these leather shops Mm -hmm. that sell leathers that did originate from Italy and made their way to Senegal. So once I... Started having much larger orders, you know, Mm. started working with Saks Fifth Avenue, Bloomingdale's um, and Nordstrom, and they really required a higher quantity of one, you know, skew or basically like handbag leather and um, shape. I was Mm -hmm. like, I need more leathers. I need to be able to make 30, 50, 100 bags with Mm -hmm. one type of leather. And that simply was not possible in Senegal anymore. Mm -hmm. So I started sourcing directly from Italy, which also gave us um, the opportunity to custom create a lot of our leathers. And the manufacturers that we work with in Italy are just absolutely incredible. I have just the best relationship with them. I mean, I go to Italy, you know, I try to go twice a year. I recently went a couple of weeks ago. And even just going to their production facility where they're located it's, you know i literally hugs all around like they are wow. incredible they follow the brand online um they you know like love seeing this product that they made this leather and these like beautiful handbags as the finished result so we are working really with people who are just so invested in the product and really do care about giving us um high quality raw goods.
1: Mm. How did you find the manufacturer or the leather source in Italy?
0: I was connected um, to um, a buying agent. So Mm. when you're looking to work in these different countries, um, you typically have to go through um, a buyer Mm -hmm. Who has these established relationships with a lot of these different, you know, types of companies. And I was Mm -hmm. connected to um, the buying agent that we work with now through my friend, um, Kendall Reynolds, who has her company, Kendall Miles. Um, Mm -hmm. So she connected me to her buying agent um, after I was invited by her to go on a, her, a trip to Italy where she, you know, we went to all the different places where she buys leathers and we, you know, went to the facility where she makes her shoes. And it was just
1: like an incredible experience. How amazing of her to let you in behind the scenes. How did you get connected to Kendall?
0: I was connected to Kendall through um, a mutual friend um, at Wharton. So Uh when I was in business school, my friend was like, oh my gosh, you have to meet my friend. She's also a designer. Um, and yeah, just, you know, uh, something about Kendall, she is literally the best. She doesn't gatekeep and she, you know, really just, she's not one of those, she does not have a scarcity mindset, you Mm. know, that I think a lot of people can often get trapped into, especially, um, as, when we're working maybe in a, like to serve when we're all trying to like serve the same like customer, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Kendall and I, we both believe like everyone can win. And so yeah. Um, she's, yeah. I And I, and I love that about her.
1: And I like that you said you met her through connections from Wharton. Cause I went to Cornell, you went to Wharton, MBAs. I feel like people are on different sides of the spectrum when it comes to, do you need an MBA? But I will say one of the great byproducts of an MBA is the network that you build. You never know who's connected to who and really easily is gonna say, absolutely, here you go. Here's the key to what you need to do. So that's amazing that you were able to leverage that degree. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when I think about, um, the way you are on social media and how transparent you are, I think it's amazing. In fact, recently I saw you had, or I was scrolling and I saw that you had sketches on graph paper of a purse design. So I'm curious, do you still design your purses in that way? Or have you graduated to like CAD blueprints or something?
0: I design my purses um, <laughs> two ways. Okay. I think my design process is so interesting because I am not like a trained designer in a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to design school or anything like that. And truthfully, I can't really draw. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your drawing look pretty legit. So um, I'll give give yourself that.
0: <laughs> but I think I think for me I have an incredibly strong Uh, like I have an ability to um, really envision. Mm -hmm. My vision is like incredibly strong. So what I'm seeing in my head is like very, very detailed. Mm -hmm. And what I do sometimes um, is if I have like a design idea, I'll like, you know, draw it real quick. Um, But when it comes to actually building and making handbags, I always do it in Senegal. I have to go there myself. I do it in Senegal alongside my artisans and we make um we make prototype after prototype after prototype until we get it right. So my design process is mostly through in-person creation.
1: Mm. So speaking about your artisans in Senegal, when I've spoken to founders who've you know, gone to China, for example, to manufacture their products, they often complain that their designers or their designs start to be sold off and get reproduced elsewhere. So being in Senegal, are you concerned about that? Has that happened? And if there, which I think you said there are copycats out there, how are you dealing with that?
0: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Nema Iris designs are not coming out of the Nima Iris facility, and they are not coming from the artisans that work for Nima Iris. That is okay. number one. Yeah. I know that for a fact. So this the issue that um, you know, perhaps other designers are facing in China, that is not something that we are facing. However, most definitely our designs are being replicated by other designers slash companies in Senegal. Mm. Um, It's definitely... You know, disappointing to see, I think for me, especially because so much goes into creating our handbags and they're mm. literally such original designs that, you know, I take great pride in having made that yeah. and brought it and bringing it to life, you um, and so to see, you know, what I think are attempted replications because no one has ever fully properly nope. replicated the original can't be replicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they replicated enough that you can tell what they were trying to do. <laughs> but they shade never put intended. There. <laughs> yeah. And and when it comes to, you know, even replications, listen, the, the quality also is more than just the design, it's how we Actually, make the bags. So, Mm -hmm. in bringing all of these artisans together, I think something that people don't know is that artisans typically are not used to like working in groups. They usually Mm -hmm. work like solo, right? And so, and they usually have like all these other clients. So, what I'm doing in Senegal is extraordinarily unique because Having so many artisans that for years, right, these people have like 10 years plus experience, have been working solo as like their own individual business owners. Now Mm. joining Anima Iris is like literally almost unheard of. Um, And even, you know, and convincing them to join Anima Iris was like like a year long process in building that trust and building that relationship with them. But what that did do, um, and I think that very quickly when we all started working together, like as a unit, as a team, they saw that we were a lot more efficient in producing handbags and we were able to bring together together. All the years of experience that all of these artisans had to mm-hmm. make very high quality bags. So even today when we have, um, you know, when I'm trying to like make a bag and there's an issue with it, we, you know, we'll call the whole team and, you know, have them think, okay, here's what I think you should do. Here's what I think you should do. So we're really merging all of, um, you know, their, their talents and the mm-hmm. skill sets that they've built all these years to really make the high quality bags. And so the issue with other, you know, people working in Senegal making bags is that they're only leveraging the skill set of perhaps one or two artisans. But I'm leveraging the skill sets of like, you know, six to eight. And that Mm -hmm. is how we have really made handbags that can really stand the test of time um, and are so structured and are very high quality.
1: The fact that you said these families have been doing it for generations and you brought them together and they're cross pollinating. I, I, it just reminds me of like the French wineries. They've been doing it for generations. Everyone has their unique recipe mm-hmm. and they're not merging. You have made that happen. And that in itself is amazingly unique. So I mean that you can try. <laughs>
0: thank you so much. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And I remember um there was a point where I was working with all of them individually, and mm. um I was requesting, you know, you know, a certain number of bags from each one, and then I was like, listen, you guys, like we could really be so much more efficient. Mm. Um, If we work together and there was initial hesitation, but then they were willing to do it because they had seen how quickly the company was growing. They, you know, had really built trust with me. That trust is so important. Um, And I'll never forget the day we gathered in one of the artisans ateliers and we had the Zaza handbag um, that the artisan had made. And I was like, this right here is the perfect Zaza handbag. Um, we're going to now sit and all make it together to make sure that every single time you make this handbag, it's all going to be the same. Because initially I could tell who made what bag Mm. and that was an issue. That was a quality Mm. control issue. Mm. Um, And so, and then we graduated from, you know, not only sharing the trade secrets of how the bags are made, how they're achieving a certain finished aesthetic, mm. but also, you know, being like, okay, leveraging um the the skill set of each artisan and what they do best, so mm. that they are doing that part of the handbag manufacturing, mm. so that now we went from a zaza handbag being made um. Using you know the the artistry of like all these combined artisans and like like us like sharing the trade secrets to like mm-hmm. a Zaza handbag where it's like all artisans touch this handbag mm-hmm. at some point. Like it a was production line in community and mm-hmm. that is um and that and that that's how we were able to like grow and. <laughs> convince them to then move out of their ateliers and their leases, which was crazy. Oh, that I remember when they told me that they ended their leases, and I'm like, oh my gosh. they really put
1: they really put their faith in me.
0: Ay. I I just and for me it's like every single month, no matter what happens, like I cannot let these people down. Mm. You know, they are um I, I mean for them to like you said their fathers worked solo. Their father's fathers worked solo.
1: Um, and Even them- an additional layer, if I could, mm-hmm. we're both Africans. And so we kind of know the cultural overlay there where a lot of people like to be in it for themselves. Yeah. A lot of people like to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you got to break that cultural barrier and get them together is even, Wow.
0: Yeah, and I'm not even Senegalese.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you're a youngin compared to them. They're like, who's this little girl coming in you know, here with her company? Yeah. It's,
0: it's so funny. Like, if you go to other artisans in the artisanal village I'm talking about, they're like, yeah, you know, this girl, this, like, American girl came in, like, gave all these artisans... <laughs> Um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. For me, I had to learn the culture. Um, mm-hmm. Americans are also very individual individualistic. Mm-hmm. Senegalese people are actually very community centered, um, mm-hmm. and so. For me, it, you know, I had to like be adjust to the culture, mm-hmm. um, be sure I was being very respectful of it. Um, and and I think that allowed us to continue building that like trustworthy relationship where it's like mm. she's not Senegalese, she's not Muslim, but yeah. she respects our identities and that is incredibly important.
1: Wow. What you've done, I will keep saying, is amazing, Um, especially since you launched in February 2020. Is that right? Yeah. And by 2021, you had generated over $600,000 in sales. Um, I have to wonder, how much of that would you attribute to some of the Amplify Black Voices um, movements that was happening around that time? Um, And if some of it is attributed to that, has that pace sustained over time?
0: Absolutely. Um, Mm. So Anima Iris is a huge benefactor of the push to support Black-owned businesses. Um, And we were born during the time where people wanted and were intentionally seeking mm-hmm. black owned businesses they were seeking alternatives to all of these different you know items whether it's daily items luxury items whatever that they would mm-hmm. buy people were asking okay i'm about to buy something is there a black owned business that's creating something of the same quality or even Mm -hmm. better. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is how I think, you know, we were able to just gain so much initial traction, but continuing that traction and um, growing our community and ensuring that we actually have a community that's like a solid support system. Now that was built out of like, actual, intentional um, community building, ensuring that like our customers are having a great experience and ensuring that when we fall short, we really recover from that no matter what it takes.
1: Mm. Let's talk about some of the strategies that have helped you get out there. I know Queen B Beyonce wore yeah. one of your bags. Now that is the stamp of approval if there was any, but other than that, I mean, I'd love to hear how, how you're, purse worked its way around Beyonce's waist. But other than that, what marketing strategies have you been using that have worked for you?
0: Yeah. The Beyonce moment is definitely like a top highlight moment in my Mm -hmm. life. Um, I think to have had a business that at the point at that point, we're only about a year and a half in Mm -hmm. and to be worn by a woman that I admire so much, Um, it was, it's really an incredible honor because Mm. for me, I'm making these bags because I want them to be worn by women like Beyonce, right? By women who aspire and are working hard to become their best selves, to become the person that they are quite honestly destined to be. And I hope that these kinds of bags add a layer of like confidence to that, that when they like Pull themselves together in the morning and they, you know, and they, the last thing to add on is the handbag. It bolsters them as they go about their day and becoming who they're meant to be. And I want our handbags to be part of that. And so you know the Beyonce moment is something I'll always be grateful for. I'm so thankful that KJ Moody styled Beyonce with that handbag. I love KJ. I have so much respect for him. Um and it it was definitely a very big moment that provided a lot of validation too, because it's Mm. like, if we're Beyonce approved, then it's like, oh, they're really doing something over there.
1: (laughs) So exactly. Thank you, Beyonce. Um, Thank you, KJ Moody. I love (laughs) y'all. Well, I appreciate you even thinking Beyonce is going to hear this, but (laughs) (laughs) you never know. You never know. That is true. That is true. So tell me about any other marketing strategies that have worked for you. Something I
0: think people underestimate is um, the power of community and the power of um, when people love a product, they naturally become your greatest like ambassadors. like word mm-hmm. of mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but how do you build that? So ensuring that you're giving people a, a great product, a great like unboxing experience, ensuring that, you know, you're creating a community online that like they can feel a part of. So like mm-hmm. I respond to DMs all the time. I'm very open online. Um, you know, I respond to people's comments and things like that. I love getting suggestions and feedback. So there are definitely hands handbags in which I'm like, you guys, like, there's just something missing. And I'll Mm. get feedback from people, whether they like something, they don't like something like, oh, you should add this. You shouldn't do this. And like, we sometimes are actually making handbags together and people become a part of that process and they're so Mm. invested in it. And that is like our greatest marketing strategy actually
1: is literally just creating a genuine community of Mm. irises. I love that. Now you earlier you mentioned that you are in stores in all these amazing places like Nordstrom and Bloom and why am I Bloom- going to say Dales. <laughs> <And Sox laughs> Finance, <that>. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <No> <laughs> Bloomingdale's. Um how did that come about? I will preface that by saying a lot of times when new business owners want to be in retailers. They don't realize that there is a cost to you that is associated with being on those shelves. So I'm curious for you in your situation, have you found that being in those stores has added to your profitability as a company or is it more of like a marketing expense for you?
0: It's both. (laughs) So, I mean, truthfully, yeah. You know, having these big orders of, um, you know, like a $100,000 and up, that really helps. That mm-hmm. absolutely re- really helps. It makes a big difference. And um simultaneously, it exposes us to a new market, you know? So not only do we have people who already know about the brand going into stores because they want to see it in real life, but then mm-hmm. we also have their customers, the, you know, these um, retailers, like their customers now learning about us and becoming irises as well. So I actually love when um, I see there's certain handbags that I've only sold to certain retailers. So when mm. someone has that bag, it's like, oh, I know you purchased this from this retailer. And here you are DMing me um, back and forth. Like, you know, like now we're like really cool. now you're part of the Nima Iris community. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that so much. So I think, you know, of course, like these companies are purchasing the bag wholesale. So you're selling it for a lot less, but there's there's still profitability in that. So it's just like great all around Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of how, I was able to get into these stores, truthfully, each of them, um, each of the stores reached out to me. And I think that it's crazy because um, I sometimes, like, make all these, like, videos and content online. And um, I don't really think, like, hundreds of people are seeing this (laughs) So when even you being like, oh yeah, I saw this online. And I'm like, I make stuff online just being like my authentic self. And I forget that like all the different types of people are seeing it. I'm not really sure who is seeing it.
1: Yeah. But
0: um the people seeing it are people who work for these retailers and they are approaching me. Literally via Instagram DM as like, we are fans of, I I am a fan of the brand. I'm advocating for you on my team or my team, you know, we like pulled all the brands together. I remember, oh my gosh, I'll never forget Nordstrom. I was like, how did you find out about us? And they were like, I think they had created like a list of brands that they wanted to bring on for this next season. Mm -hmm. And consistently Anima Iris was ranked um, as you know, top brand by all of the different decision makers. And my mm. heart just absolutely melted. Um, Nordstrom was our first major retail that took us on and they are so special to us. I love the team. They've been just so supportive. Um, and yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's how it happened. I think like you can't focus too much about trying to reach out to the buyers and things like that. I think organically, when you are creating a product that people want, Mm -hmm. these buyers are paying attention to that. And if they also follow you online, like that's even better because now they're fans of the product and they want to bring you on and they're excited to do so.
1: And that's the best situation all around, right? Both parties are excited to have you on. It's not something like they feel like they have to do, right? Yeah. Um, But you were mentioning answering DMs like, ma'am, Who's supporting Anima Iris as a brand right now? Are are you doing it all alone still?
0: I um okay, sorry. Like like in terms of what? Like am I doing So it all in alone? terms
1: of your day to day. So do you have social media support? Do you have fulfillment support? How does um, all the behind yeah. the scenes get supported for your brand?
0: Yeah, when I first started in our first year, all the handbags were, like, stored at my home, <laughs> so on mm-hmm. shelves. And I was doing fulfillment, and then I, like, brought on other people to come into my home to do fulfillment. And then we finally graduated to a fulfillment center, we work with a wonderful fulfillment center that um, really has adjusted to our specific needs as a brand. So um, I absolutely love them. And um, when it comes to social media, yes, I have a core team of people who I work with, and there is someone who manages our social media. But I log in all the time, and you, you, the likelihood that you got a DM and I'm the one responding is actually very high, um, <laughs> especially if like it's a more conversational thing and not something just about like your order. Um, people often DM us about their order. Sometimes I'll go and I'll screenshot it and I'm like, what's the update with this order? Like, we need to get back to this customer. Um, But when it comes to just people having conversations or like responding about you know, they really like something or whatever, like it it actually might be me. So what I did do, because I'm so active on the Anima Iris DMs, I love talking to the irises. Um, I actually limited and restricted um, people who could message me on my personal IG. Mm-hmm. So I, cause having all these like messages and reactions on my personal IG, cause I'm active there too, was mm-hmm. like really overwhelming me. Yeah. So, um, I limited only to people who I follow. Um, and so, you know, the, it then became like, a lot less, like the messages were definitely a lot less and it was good because these are people like I actually really want to talk to because mm-hmm. like, you're actually my friend. And then right. it's like, I'm spending all of my actual time where I have like social media energy um, on Anima Iris IG. So. The
1: brand page. Yeah. Man, so you've come so far in a very short amount of time. What's next for the Anima Iris brand? Where are you going next?
0: You know what? So Two things and that actually I really want to talk about because I think that oftentimes there's this glorification, and I'll speak specifically about myself. There's mm. a glorification of rapid progress and achievements in limited amounts of time, in at such a young age, right? Mm. Um, and I think it can actually be very dangerous if we're not open and honest about Mm. how difficult that experience is and what the consequences are, especially to your well-being, your mental health. Mm. Even my friendships, like, you know, really deteriorated um, because I was doing war in business school and getting my MBA and then traveling once a month, two times a month on the weekends to Dakar, as in like, I was in Dakar for like, it was like a 72 hour trip. I was out of America by Thursday night, back in America by Monday morning, in class by noon on Monday. Um, and I would do this one to two times a month. And I was so committed to Nima, I so committed to finishing Warren, which is actually very hard <laughs> coursework. And okay. workload um, that, you know, my friendships, like I didn't have the capacity to keep up with my friends. I missed a lot of birthdays. I missed a lot of trips that they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. and now I'm rebuilding that, right? And so for me, I just sometimes I feel like I'm actually in a stage right now where I actually want to slow down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because I sat back the other day. I had this realization literally last week. And I sat back and I pulled out my Princeton degree. I literally have it right here. And I pulled out my Wharton degree and I looked at it and I was so proud of myself because I come of, come from a family that did not have money. Mm-hmm. All the way back to my grandparents. I mean, my grandmother had my mom when she was literally like when she was 14. Very young. My grandmother is illiterate because she had to drop out of school, Mm. Um, in order to raise all of these kids that she then later had, right? Um, and so for me to be a double Ivy League graduate, um obviously is so much pride. And um I'm very proud of myself for what I've achieved to have a Princeton degree, to have a Wharton degree, um, to have built um Anima Iris so quickly within three years. Um but I also sat back and I and I just turned 27. <laughs> mm. And I sat back and I was like, "Well, Glory, where are you running to?" Yeah. Like, good question. Like, good question. where like where am I running to? Mm. I um I I see my life as like very singular, so I don't think I'm competing with anybody. I'm not trying to be better than anybody, and I have always been running my own race. But then I sat back and I was like, "Where are you running to?" Mm. It is not it is not, um, it's it, like, there are, is you know, I said, you don't have to now hit all of these different achievements by this age. Like I sat back and I was like, well, glory, where are you running to? And I realized like, it's okay for me to slow down. I just went through a stage where last year I did so much. Mm. And the, that's why I'm like, be, well, I want to be careful about the glorification because, you know, if we're not honest about what it requires and the struggles I face in having these kinds of achievements, right. You know, I don't want to lead other women and especially other black women down a very dangerous path that they perhaps were not like mentally prepared for. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so for me, I'm actually planning to slow down. I initially was planning to raise, do a raise this year so that we could grow Anima Iris a lot faster and actually really jet set. (laughs) And then I was like, no, I have other priorities. Um, I have achieved so much academically. You know, I have achieved a lot in my career. Um, I have achieved a lot in terms of my health, you know, love a good berries workout. I feel like I can really kill it. Um, and mm. and my fitness, but now I really want to prioritize my personal relationships and also my romantic relationships as well. And I think that's really important to talk about. I think um we don't talk about, you know, desiring um and aspiring towards being a wife, being a mother and things like that. And how like, that's like, okay, too. Like, it's okay Mm -hmm. to have a career and like be super successful. But it's like, I want to be a mother one day. I want to be a wife. I want to have a family. Um, All of these achievements and accomplishments don't really mean much if I don't have people to share it with. If I don't Mm -hmm. have someone who is like, this is my life partner. Like, that is my yin. That's the yin to my yang. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I need to slow down and start taking finding that partner a lot more seriously with a lot more intention because I Mm -hmm. hadn't done that before. So that's the stage I'm in now. I'm slowing down because I want to prioritize um um, the more personal aspects of my life and and i really and i wanted to and i wanted to share that because i don't think we talk about that enough Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's like let's be honest when i'm ready to jet set again rocket ship will take off like that's not a problem Right? exactly I've, i've proven i can do it and i know i can continue to do it in the future so but what is still happening this year is our Pantone color launch. I'm very excited about Congratulations. that. We worked with Pantone to create the most beautiful color um, that literally is actually so hard to replicate. Our um, manufacturers in Italy have had a difficult time replicating it. So it's, you know, and, and they finally have achieved it, but it was really hard. To replicate, it's a color that I now um, I'm gonna re- we're gonna release um, a collection later this year where all the bags are gonna be in that color in different patterns and shapes. Um, we are going to release new packaging that's gonna be in that mm. color, so it's just gonna be really exciting to really introduce this as our brand color and continue to solidify the Anima Iris brand. Then in the next couple of weeks, we do have um, our spring. Summer collection releasing where we shot this um, the most amazing campaign. I'm obsessed with it, modeled after Totally Spies. So one of my favorite childhood kids love shows. that show. <laughs> yes, it's like Totally Spies, but with girls that you know actually look like me because growing up, a lot of these different shows that I loved did not have characters that looked like me. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to recreate Totally Spies with. Um, And it's called Totally Irises. And the spies are like super fashionable too, you know? So it just Mm. made sense. It just made so much sense. I cannot wait to release it.
1: It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to show my girls. They'll love it, especially because it's with models that look like them.
0: Yes, it's so good. And I I worked with three girls who are actually sisters. So they, you know, they look alike, but just like different enough. And they were just Mm -hmm. like absolutely amazing. I love the Ajaplong sisters. So much. And they're Ghanaian.
1: Yes, 100%. they are
0: Ghanaian. <laughs> very, very proudly, very proudly Ghanaian. Yeah. So like, even though I'm slowing down, I, I think I think it's crazy because my slow down like doesn't even sound like I'm slowing down.
1: <laughs> no, I think you're just maintaining a steady state of what you should be doing as opposed to rocket ship, right? Exactly. There it is. Mm-hmm.
0: There it is. It's, it's like, I'm not going to like take on way more than I really need to. We're going to mm-hmm. maintain where we're at, which is great. We're going to keep growing organically, you know, if we have spurts of growth that just kind of like happen because viral moments do Mm -hmm. happen, I'm more than happy to like welcome that. But, um, I'm not going to like go out of my way to create more work. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: No, I hear that. Now for anyone who wants to follow everything that you have rolling out this year, where can we find you? Where can we support
0: Yes, um, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at anima.iris, so A-N-I-M-A dot I-R-I-S. We are also on Twitter as well. Um, Then you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at W-I-L-G-L-O-R-Y-Y, at Wool Glory. So those are the places where we can be found very active love posting loves the socials um yeah
1: (laughs) well will glory i really appreciate you spending time with us and sharing your story as well
0: thank you so much for having me this was really fun um and thank you for creating this platform for women like us to share our stories in really authentic ways
1: Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript. Or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right. With that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.